Hello and welcome to Hypermobility University Podcast. This is an educational podcast where healthcare providers and patients who deal with people with hypermobility are sharing their knowledge and experiences. My name is Sarah Feruza and I'm a physical therapist specializing in hypermobility at Perfect 10 Physical Therapy. Here we go. All right, hello everybody and welcome to episode 10 of the Hypermobility University Podcast. Today, we're really excited to have Dr. Britt Harmon of Bloom Embody here to chat with us. Hi, Dr. Britt. How are you today? Hey, I am doing good. Um, yeah, not much to report, but happy to be here. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course. So uh, to start, before we get into all the details, just tell us, how did you get into physical therapy? Yeah, so um, growing up, I was definitely a little caretaker. My mom always told me I was always there helping, and I knew I wanted to be in healthcare from a pretty early age. Um, when I started in school, I went to the University of Pittsburgh, and they had an awesome pharmacy program, so I started there and realized that wasn't for me. So I switched to psychology, and I actually loved that. But they had a really cool undergrad pre-PT program, and I kind of started digging around and looking into it and was really intrigued, and I applied for that. And so my junior year, it was a two-year program, I started in that, and I absolutely loved it. So that was kind of my introdu introduction, and after the two years in that program, I knew I wanted to get my DPT, and yeah, that's why awesome. I'm here now. And the rest, the rest is history, right? The rest is history, yeah. So how did you get into specifically treating patients with hypermobility? So my first job was in outpatient pediatrics. And I had a client, she was around 10 at the time, who had EDS, was diagnosed recently with EDS. And that was my introduction to starting to read literature and research on it. Uh, honestly, in school, I can't think of anything specifically that focused on it, which is something I <laughs> would love to change. Moving whole other forward, yeah, it's a whole other story. Uh, so yeah, I started diving into it then and a lot of puzzle pieces started falling together in my life once I started learning about her diagnosis. Um, and so from there, I just kept diving deeper and deeper and learning more and more. And I ended up then going into women's health. And that was my focus. Um, my husband is also a physical therapist and he works with athletes uh, and knew I know a lot about hypermobility. So we started getting a bunch of athletes who had hypermobility and were having these frustrations and he ended up sending them my way. And I absolutely loved working with them. Um, so that kind of started that trajectory and I decided to niche down because I just knew how much I could help this population and how much passion I had for it. And yeah, that's how I got to where I am. Awesome, awesome. I think we lead somewhat parallel lives because my husband is also a physical therapist who also oh, works no with athletes way. and- <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yes. So uh, I understand that you take kind of a holistic approach to treating. Can you tell us more about that and what inspired you to take that route? Yes, definitely. Um, so when I started learning how to care for my body, I realized that the physical side of hypermobility is very important, but there are all these other linked conditions that are 
like essential to, to be focusing on. And I started to put puzzle pieces together for myself, but then working with clients, I started to focus on not just their physical presentation, but also mental health, emotional health, um, their environment, just incorporating every aspect of their life and how it's impacted by hypermobility into their care. Um, and they responded so well to it. Uh, I knew I responded well to it, but you don't know until you're implementing it and how successful that's going to be. Um, so for example, um, something that I see commonly with hypermobility is we in general just feel less safe in our body because of a multitude of reasons. Um, but it often carries over to anxiety and other symptoms that show up in our life and certain things that I would incorporate, um, in allowing someone to truly understand how to care for their body, how to shift their environment, um, how to focus holistically on sleep, hydration, digestion, started to allow clients to feel more confident and empowered. And that alone had a ton of carryover into their health, which then, you know, positively impacted their physical health too, right? So this focus on the holistic approach impacted more than just like these, these extra pieces I was incorporating, it did carry over into that physical side of healing and having less pain and less chronic fatigue and all those other pieces. So yeah, I, I realized that you can't not focus on the whole picture when it comes to hypermobility. Definitely. Something that I find with my patients, and you can tell me if you feel the same, is that um, if you can just help them to sleep a little bit better or give them some techniques to sleep better or maybe hydrate better, all of a sudden they have this energy and then they're able to do the specific exercises or lifestyle modifications that you're asking them to do for their hip pain or their back pain or, or joint pain specifically, where beforehand they just didn't have the energy or didn't have the mental clarity to do that. You find the same yeah. thing? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, the foundational aspect to our health is the only thing that's going to get us to that healing place where we want to be. And then from there, we can build that resilience, right? But we can't get there without building that foundation. So, yes. Definitely. Definitely. So in terms of working with somebody with their emotional health and then also their gut health and things like that, are there any specific assessment techniques or treatment techniques that you do to help somebody discover if that is a contributing factor to their health and then like what a little bit more in detail, what that means? Yeah, so um, I've come up with, it's just a really basic impact scale where I took all of the linked conditions, the bait and scale and kind of brought it together. Um, and it's an either uh, you are impacted by this or you're not impacted by it, a yes, no scale. There's somewhere there's an in-between because there has to be, but basically they get a score and it's categorized by mild, moderate or maximal severe. Um, and it seems to be pretty accurate for a lot of clients. So that kind of gives me a little bit of a clarity on these different aspects of the linked conditions that are commonly seen with hypermobility and what they might be dealing with. Um, it does include gut health questions, mental health questions, a lot more. Um, but for the emotional health piece of things, a big focus is anxiety, like I said before, and incorporating components into their life 
that help improve that through different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, a cool thing you mentioned emotional health and gut health. A cool thing about that is the gut is so linked to our emotional system, right? Um, I used to have very severe gut difficulties, um, not to share too much, but it happens in the healthcare world. I, when I would get emotional or overwhelmed or anxiety, I would, it would impact my bowels and I would lose control. Mm -hmm. So I dealt with that for years and it wasn't until I, yes, focused on a lot of gut health improvement from like a, what I incorporated on a day-to-day standpoint, but also improving my emotional health and techniques there to help me stay calm and collected in moments where anxiety might take over also Mm -hmm. really improve my gut health. So those two go really hand in hand a lot. Um, But a technique I like to include when working with clients, I'm sure you've heard of it before, is called motivational interviewing. Mm -hmm. Um, In grad school, you know, we had to do those big projects uh, to get our doctorate. And mine was on motivational interviewing with a specific client. Um, and so I, it, it brings in my psych side, my psychology side that I just love. And I love it because it's very collaborative. It's very goal oriented. The communication and focusing on how and what you say to clients is really big. Um, and it's about giving them the autonomy. And I wholeheartedly believe in the client walking away from me and being able to feel confident that they know how to care for themselves. If they don't, then I didn't do my job. Mm-hmm. So MI is just really focused on tuning into what motivates them and what they'll stay committed to. So they get the results that they want. Um, and yeah, that's definitely yeah. something I incorporate into my treatment. Awesome. Awesome. That's really great. I think, yeah, something interesting is when you start to learn about different clients and learn who needs that little bit of a push of, oh, you really got to do better at this. And who needs that? You know, you're doing yeah. great and let's break it down and different, different things that motivate different people. Exactly. Yeah. Every, especially in hypermobility, right. It's the spectrum and we all present so differently, mm-hmm. but every individual, how we respond to what's said to us, and how it's said to us is something as a healthcare provider, we can't not tune into. Yeah, I yes. agree. Yes, absolutely. So I know that you said after school, after that pediatric job, you moved into women's health and some pelvic floor therapy. And if I understand yeah. correctly, you still use some of those uh, techniques and strategies and some of that in your current treatment. Can you tell me kind of how that all ties in together? Yes. Yeah, so I started out, you know, focusing on the pelvic floor and that could be why it's such a big part of my world still. But even recently I was talking to I was doing uh, course calls with for a course I have coming up and asking about biggest frustrations in hypermobility. And I had five different calls and three different people mentioned their pelvic floor difficulties. So it's definitely not talked about enough, but I think pretty common to be connected to hypermobility. Um, you know, the pelvic floor is the base of our abdominal cavity. It has a very... <laughs> important job in supporting a lot of different structures. And often what I've found is our pelvic floors can become more easily hypertonic. The muscles are to protect the areas. And because we are have more laxity are more prone to locking down. 
And when our pelvic floor is locked down, it can lead to things like incontinence, which is counterintuitive, right? You would think if our pelvic floor is locked down, you wouldn't have a difficulty with incontinence. But what happens is when a pelvic floor is supposed to contract and relax in the way we need it to, it can't. So leakage can occur. Um, it can also lead to a lot of discomfort with intercourse, which is a big frustration I hear often. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, 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 I think it's much more prevalent than we realize in our community, um, but I'm hoping more and more over time it's talked about more and doesn't become you know, faux pas in any way. Yes, definitely. It's really important. Uh, a lot of the, the clients that I see in my office also, I see a variety of clients, but a lot of them are females in maybe 20s and 30s, which also happens to be the age that uh, people are reproducing. So then those yeah. pelvic floor issues that may have been there before may or may not be exacerbated through pregnancy and delivery and, and postnatal Yes, a hundred percent. If someone even had a little frustration or difficulty before, and then they go through a, pre a pregnancy, uh, it's going to show up in an even bigger way afterwards. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the population that you work with, what do you find them uh, now, let's say compared to even in the past when you first started practicing, what do you find most challenging? So I feel like one of the most difficult parts of working with hypermobility is it is a spectrum and every person brings something different to the table. And there is always something new that I'm learning and diving into with every client I take on. So I would say that is the most challenging part. Like my goal is to help them figure out their puzzle, put the pieces together and you know, like I said, move forward, feeling empowered and how to care for their body. But that is a challenge. There's a lot of things to tune into. There's a lot of aspects to consider in looking at the whole picture. So you really have to be patient and you really have to tune in and be present. Um, and yeah, I just have to always like remind myself to step back and like take all these pieces into play and into consideration and try to figure out, you know, how they're interconnected and how I can help. Yeah, definitely. Um, on the contrary, what do you find is the most rewarding with working with this population compared to maybe other populations that you've worked with? Yeah, um, honestly, <laughs> it's kind of like the same thing as the frustration. Uh, the most rewarding part is when you figure out that puzzle for them. Um, mm -hmm. It is most challenging, but when the pieces start to come together, when their quality of life starts to improve, it's just so incredibly rewarding because you see this person come back to life. Mm -hmm. You see the person who's been dealing with years and years of confusion, maybe since childhood, of symptoms that they never really understood, like what why this was happening and then all of a sudden this connects to that and that connects to this and their life changes because then you can give them a, a plan of care that they can implement and just understand how to improve the quality of life and who doesn't want that for their clients so I would say yeah easily the most rewarding is figuring helping them figure that out together mm-hmm mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, something that I see that's pretty cool is a lot of times when a client first comes to see me, and I'm sure the same as you, 
they may be in a position where they're kind of like resenting their body or uh, hating it, not from a weight perspective or anything, but just from all these injuries and all this pain. And um, when they start to feel like they have some control over that and then realize all the positive things they can do to make their body feel better. uh, That's pretty exciting to see. It really is. And you make a really good point, like them resenting their body and it, it just goes back to that. Like they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Their body doesn't present like the rest of the world's does. So they go through life confused and frustrated and resenting their, their home where they live, you know, physically. And I, I just, I feel, and I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like we're on the precipice of hypermobility becoming way more mainstream and aware. Mm -hmm. And that makes me really excited because my daughter was born with both of her hips dislocated. So pretty sure she's hypermobile. (laughs) Um, She's doing great now because she has two PT parents. (laughs) But I think about what, you know, life would look like if kids with hypermobility or even adolescents, because that's kind of where that huge shift happens when our hormones come into play. Mm-hmm. Even at adolescents with hypermobility knew how to care from their for their body from an early age. Mm-hmm. Like what would that look like for us as we progress through life, not feeling that resentment and that confusion? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely feel the same way. And I say a lot. I do see quite a few teenage patients in my office, and sometimes them or their or their parents might kind of express the sentiment of that they're so young to be dealing with all of this. And they absolutely are. But I always tell them, you know, it's better to be dealing with it now and learn things that can help them throughout their life rather than the patients I see who have ignored those problems, maybe because doctors have told them to, and then they're trying to deal with all of the same problems with 20 or 30 years of maybe doing some things that weren't so good and and creating some pain and damage that is a lot bigger hole to dig out of. Right. I'm that makes me pumped that you're getting clients that are yeah younger that's really really awesome yeah yeah we have a great uh family medicine doctor uh close by me he's a geneticist as well um but he will see some patients just because he's their family doctor he's their primary doctor and then uh, put some of the pieces together and that's really great. And then in Philadelphia as well, there's a couple programs uh, for children that deal with it. Um, So I do get to see some people who maybe have somewhere along the path got sent there, realize they have this hypermobility and get to me. So it's really nice thing. Nice thing when I get to see that. That's huge. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So one other question for you, I know that you don't only offer just one-on-one physical therapy in kind of the the traditional sense. I know you have a few other offerings. Can you share a little bit about those? Yeah. So yeah, I do do one-on-one virtual, but um, currently I'm working on a lot of really fun projects that I'm excited for. But I would say the most one I'm the one I'm most excited for is um, I'm coming out with a series of courses. They're called the House of Hypermobility, and it's all about building our home within our body, right? Um, so the first course is called laying the foundation, just like we were saying, and it's all about what pieces do we need to implement first mm-hmm. before we can build this strong foundation to then build our resiliency from there. So 
Uh, we focus on sleep hygiene. We focus on routine, uh, holistic hydration, daily digestion, stressors, circadian rhythm, routines and habits, um, conscious consumption, the environmental toxins, like what's in our home, what are we putting on our body? We basically look at every aspect of foundational health in relation to hypermobility, because there are certain things that we are more sensitive to than others. For example, mm -hmm. hydration, uh, the way our body uses hydration throughout the day is more, uh, I call expensive than the way someone else does. So mm -hmm. our hydration doesn't go as far and we have to implement more and it has to be not just water, but very um, consciously containing certain minerals and electrolytes in order to really hydrate us. So that's the foundational course. And the next one after that is building the structures. That's all about the physical side of things. Um, and then the one after that's called finishing touches. And that's where the pelvic floor piece comes into play, mindfulness practices, all those pieces that kind of pull everything together in that holistic approach to caring for a bendy body. Awesome. That's really exciting. Those, those sound yeah. like great things and you're going to definitely help a lot of people with those courses. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, really excited for them to get out in the world. I really hope they help a lot of people and just continue this trajectory of hypermobility being more upfront, more conscious and mm -hmm. you know, definitely. Um, so one question related to what you talked about as far as electrolytes and electrolyte consumption, yeah. do you have a favorite type of electrolyte drink that you recommend? I do. So I make my own hydration mixers, awesome. um, but if I were to offer based off just like adding different juices, but if <laughs> I were to say one thing, uh, coconut water is most closely related to our blood plasma in terms of uh, concentration and what it has in it. So my daily drink, which I have right here, is water, about, about 50 to 75% water. I would say 10 to 15% coconut water. Uh, um, and then I add a splash of orange juice, a splash of either tart cherry or pomegranate juice. And then there are trace mineral electrolyte drops. Um, but something as simple as water with lime and salt will mm -hmm. introduce some minerals and electrolytes, sea salt preferably. Um, and uh, there's just really endless possibilities, but allowing not just H2O to be a part of your day is going to help it's going to go really far with hypermobility mm -hmm. I've had clients come back to me after incorporating this for just a week saying that their fatigue has gone from you know like an, an a seven or eight on the scale to like a three or four throughout the day just from being oh. hydrated better wow so yeah I I love the ability to mix and match as you please based off of flavor preference um yeah. And yeah, I, I always give clients a little handout and they have a bunch of different hydration mixer recipes on it. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I find um, a lot of the adult clients that I work with that know they might need some electrolytes are kind of willing to to do whatever they have to do and, and drink whatever they have to drink. Yeah. Some of those teen clients are like, oh, this doesn't taste good at all. I'm not going <laughs> to have this. So uh, having some different options, I really like that idea of like some different juices because that's something yeah. 
that's really familiar to most people. Um, so it can be a little bit better than some of the ones that are, it's just like pure salt and not used to drinking salt water. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the coconut water is easily the biggest bang for the buck. A lot mm -hmm. of people do not like coconut water straight, right? Like mm -hmm. by itself, like, oh, no, I can't, no. Yeah. <laughs> but if you just add a splash of orange juice or a splash of tart cherry or, you know, a, a, a healthier juice, not like a sugar juice, but a healthier juice, sugar's not bad as long as it's a natural sugar, right? So throw that in there and the coconut water becomes way more enjoyable and you can yeah, easily get it down. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. So of course. the last question I have for you is that if people want to work with you or they want to find more out, find out more about you or about those programs that you're working on that you're having coming up, where can they reach out or where can they learn more? Um, yeah, so my website is just www.bloomandbody.com um, and that will have my digital products listed on there where right now there's uh, one focused on seasonal, this is a whole different component I didn't even talk about, but seasonal living, um, shifting with seasons, shifting with your cycle are all really supportive ways to take care of your body with hypermobility. We do well when we tune into our body and the world around us. So there's a cool product on there and my one-on-one -on -one services are, are on there as well. Um, and then a link to the wait list for the course but um, yeah, my Instagram is bloom underscore with Dr. Britt. Um, and I have links to my wait list on there too. And my email list on there. Um, my email list goes out on the new moon and the full moon. I'm very tuned into <laughs> nature. To right, right. Up on that. Um, but yeah, that has a lot of great hypermobility tips that come out. Uh, you know, random tips whatever's on my mind that week. But yeah, that's where all my information between the website and Instagram you could find. Great. Well, Dr. Britt, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of this great information. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with you and yeah, this was awesome. Awesome.